Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry right here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. Thanks for being with us today. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. And each week we have the pleasure of talking to people who are building a more humane world from the inside out. And today I'm in the home of Nancy and Alan Ames in Jefferson City uh, recording this show. Uh, greetings, <laughs> Alan and Nancy. Hey, Dick. Hi, Dick. And you all are not Jefferson City Inns. No. We were both born in Texas and then lived the biggest chunk of our lives in, at least for me, in Arkansas, northern Arkansas, uh-huh. not far from Missouri. Uh-huh. And uh, then in 93, we moved to Boise, Idaho for 10 years and loved that. But we moved on to Portland, Oregon for eight years and and we uh, sold our home and wandered around looking for a nice place to retire or just a place to live. Wow, you you had Boise and you've had Portland and you settled in Jefferson City. This is exciting. Yeah. 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 We lived nowhere for about uh, five years, just uh, traveling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, RV, did you kind of RV-ish or how did you do that? A little of both. Um, we had a small camper mm-hmm. and then I would take travel nurse jobs and we would live in communities and they provide the housing. And then um, sometimes we just tent camped for months. We uh, also would do volunteerism. There's a a website called HelpX where you go and you volunteer to help on projects. And they usually farming. They provide or construction. They provide housing and a meal. So we did some of that. Well, that's cool. Some with elderly family members Mm -hmm. stayed with them and helped them out. So your training was in nursing? Yes, registered nurse Mm -hmm. from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you've been able to use that. Have you, do you consider yourself retired? I am retired. I um, um, did not renew my license after 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I retired in 2015 too. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you never get to stop thinking in terms of health care. Right. Systems. Yeah, well-being. Particularly for our own bodies as well as our families and Mm -hmm. friends. Yeah, and um, I had started nursing in the Arkansas Ozarks in uh, Marion County, um, which is, like Alan said, right at the Missouri border, Mm -hmm. and became aware of a nursing association out of Springfield. It was a holistic nurses association, Mm -hmm. which was about, you know, bringing more um, spiritual and emotional and into healing processes. Right, wonderful. And you've taken advantage of that in expanding your, I don't know, does that go into meditation and what kinds of things does that do? Oh, um, I think it's more in the way you talk to people, you know, the, the suggestions that you give them for relaxation. Um, when I was working in Boise, I was working on an orthopedic unit there and I'm made um, some recordings of music. Um, Music is very influential in helping healing, and the hospital didn't have anything at that time, so Mm -hmm. did that. Massage. Mm -hmm. Reiki came in years back. Is that uh, anything you... I have 
not checked any, into? No, I have no experience. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And Alan, uh, I know you're a musician. You. Yep. Your wall has uh, how many guitars hanging on it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Today? I think there's at least seven different steel guitars. Wow. And then various others that my wall just can't hold them all. <laughs> <laughs> so there's probably 10 or 12 different guitars floating around the house, maybe in the attic or yeah, somewhere. I'm more of the kind of minimalist. I'd rather have as few guitars as I need mm -hmm. uh, and not be always buying a new one, you know, and then just filling up my house with more stuff. So I pretty much think that the, the seven or eight steel guitars that I use regularly is all, is all that I need. Mm -hmm. And then there may be an old one that's kind of resting around or a new project I'm fixing up or something. But uh, Well, speaking the word minimalist, you all must have really... Being minimalist if you're traveling around uh, in a camper, etc., and just with the bare necessities, as the song says. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, when we left Arkansas in '93, since I'd lived on 60 acres for about 20 years, I had accumulated a lot of stuff oh. lumber and stuff out on the farm, and, and uh, so we didn't have a lot of time to get rid of everything we we got rid of a lot of stuff and then it took a big u-haul to move us to boise mm. and then when we moved to portland since we had thinned down a little bit more it was less stuff and then by the time we left portland it was less stuff so mm -hmm. as we've gotten older we've jettisoned more stuff mm -hmm. uh, and because uh, we've always known at least fairly quickly we saw that the more possessions you have the more they own you mm -hmm. is that you've got stuff you have to work on. You got to paint it. You got to fix it. You got to repair it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yada yada. yada. Got to remember where it is. Got to remember where it is. Got to tune it up, oil it. We started out our household in a very small house that Alan had built. It was um, fifteen feet in feet. circumference. It, it was, was a octagon shaped octagon house with a little loft. And then we had our two children, and so it uh, required you not to have much things that required to be inside the house. Yeah, we built a bigger house, but it, by even by its standards, it wasn't that much And then much we bigger. built one that was 16 by 24 with a loft, and, and we lived there until we moved to Boise. Mm -hmm. So when you live in small spaces, it makes you prioritize, you know. But definitely, as Alan was saying, letting go of things that don't aren't necessary, aren't required. It's a very liberating feeling. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, consider yourself a farmer for those uh, first years? Uh, you know, 60 I, acres? Uh, yes, at times I did. When you moved to Arkansas, especially at age 19, and I didn't know much, I had to do anything that came along because I needed money and I was poor. So sometimes I considered myself a welder, and sometimes I was a carpenter and house remodeler, and uh, and then farming and tried tried a little bit of that uh, nursery work with my brother. We started a little business, and and I'm just not a green thumb kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, after 20 years of hard physical work, I discovered that I was didn't really have the body for that, and shouldn't have never done that. <laughs> and, and my kind of delicate bone system with 
nice long fingers, it's, it's more of a natural to be a musician than mm-hmm. it is to be a sledgehammer-wielding yeah. <laughs> welder, which I, I, I don't mind the work. I love the work. I like to work, but, you know, I was, you know, working too hard. Mm-hmm. I've had back surgery and knee surgeries uh-huh. and shoulder surgeries and hip surgeries. <laughs> yeah, give me a break. We'll forget huh? that, yeah. <laughs> So Boise was a uh, a healing move, it sounds like, in a way. Yeah. It was, yeah. We, we were both ready for a change. You know, we after that, we kind of realized that people need to change about every seven or ten years. If you're not changing, mm-hmm. you're probably getting stagnant and need a little uh, refreshing of your life. And every time we, we even change the furniture in our house and we feel better because mm-hmm. it kind of refreshes our setting and, and we're like, oh. Feel invigorated, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he was changing careers at that point too, where he had gone back to school, and had gotten technology education, went to work in a clean room at a big computer <laughs> chip manufacturer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I had uh, I had discovered that uh, I was really not good as a, a carpenter and spatial kind of things. Uh, I have always had poor vision and uh, slightly dyslexic but my brain worked good enough so I could analyze things well so I was pretty good at fixing cars and then my last job in Arkansas I was working in a, a big kind of dirty nasty hard factory mm. and the work was very challenging I was repairing the equipment mm. so by the time I left uh, Arkansas and moved to Boise, the largest tool I ever used in the clean room in Boise to fix machinery was equal to the you know the smallest tool I ever used in Arkansas to fix machinery. It was just a complete flip side, you know. And uh, I was so dirty at the end of the day in Arkansas that I had to change my clothes before I could get in my car and drive home. But when I work in a clean room, you're considered so dirty when you get there, you have to get into a bunny suit and... Scrub your feet off and everything. So it was just a complete flip side, you know. Very fun. And and I went into kind of the electronics industry, not only because the work was still fun and interesting and challenging, but the companies themselves had a really pretty robust uh, reputation for treating their employees well, which I was looking forward to that. Excellent. Excellent. So... Hewlett Packard and I, I worked for Micron, but Hewlett Packard was all over the West in small communities and giving giving the the local people good employment and fair treatment in the workplace. So, and that's the way Micron was in Boise. Yeah, I think that's essential to a healthy community is having a workplace that sees you as an individual, provides adequately for you and your family. Yeah, were your kids uh, teenagers in Boise? Yes, they were. They were. We uh, we uh, sadly uprooted them from their teen teen friends in uh, rural Arkansas and took them to a much bigger town. You know, mm. we came from a town. We lived outside of a town that was a population of one hundred and twenty-five, and we went to Boise, which at that time I think was about a hundred and fifty thousand. It was even less than that, but. It's more like 250 now, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our youngest son 
took to it mightily. He just he just blossomed. He was in hog heaven. <laughs> Being Archie, that would be what you'd say. And but our older son, he was a sophomore in high school. It was much more challenging for him. But he's didn't one, take very long. He's the one who's remained in Boise. Oh, <laughs> the rest of us have all moved on multiple times. Interesting. And why leave Boise then? Or is this the every 10 years you need to make a shift? <laughs> well, it wasn't consciously a, a determining kind of force that made us determine that we needed to change. But I wanted to kind of focus more on my music. And Portland seemed like a much bigger music scene there. And uh, Boise is kind of an island in the middle of the desert out there. And it's, it's really a beautiful place. But uh, we were just ready for just a little bit bigger urban scene Mm -hmm. and uh, Portland seemed like such a a nice vibrant town you know that we just kind of jumped right in yeah Mm -hmm. so Portland's kind of like you say a big place Uh, were you north south east west we we uh, we bought a house in north Portland oh it was the first house we ever bought yeah, they had just finished the light rail that went to that part of town Mm -hmm. so it had been uh, a declining neighborhood area in Portland until they had put in that light rail, but then it was on the cusp of you know coming up. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a really good time to buy there. Were you as far as Alberta? Oh yeah, we were actually a fuzz uh, north of Alberta and to the west of uh, Interstate Five right. on Greeley Street. And Portland was a kind of a, a, a large town, or rather than a a small city. It was just really a warm kind of town. We really liked because we would be walked down the street for exercise or something, and people would just talk to you as you're mm-hmm. going down the street. What are you doing today? You know, just conversations would break out everywhere, and uh, it was just a, a really warm, friendly town. Mm-hmm. So we were tickled. Yeah, it was the first place I lived that had really strong neighborhood cohesiveness you know where I grew up in a suburb of Dallas and um, mm. yeah you might know the people across the street or next door but nothing any larger than that mm-hmm. it had history of neighborhood and small businesses in the neighborhood so mm-hmm. it's it very fun yeah and they had lots of, of uh, parks I think since most of the the basic town was built before World War two, as in most of America, towns that were built before World War II, there was lots of uh, park spaces reserved aside. Hmm. Uh, I remember in, in Dallas seeing the stuff after World War II. They didn't put as many parks in those. They were just busy kind of building houses and houses hmm. and houses. Hmm. And, and uh, Dallas particularly was easy to look back at it and go, oh, those people had a plan. Hmm. They wanted to be big. Hmm. And uh, after the 60s, you know, the the development people completely took over and and uh, made the town huge you know everybody knows how big dallas is and and and, and they in in a way it's it's a nice city uh i know there's lots of lots of good jobs and places to live but portland was really great for alan's musical uh, expansion too where boise is fairly isolated it's quite a long drive to any other market mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Um, Portland, Seattle's very close, and you know, mm-hmm. connected with a lot of musicians there. Wrote, I think you wrote the most music ever while you were living there. Yeah, I probably did. Uh, probably maybe 
in the eight years I lived there, I probably wrote as much as I had the the twenty eight years before that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I had written. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and most of us. I look back on it and pretty pleased with Oh, good. Pretty fun. Good. Yeah, and, and he came to St. Louis um, for a convention, the Steel Guitar. Pedal Steel Guitar. Pedal Steel Guitar Convention was uh, housed, uh, took place in St. Louis. And he came home from that trip. He thought, thought highly of St. Louis. <laughs> Great. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, traveled through Jefferson City and Columbia once in the 90s and, and kind of realized that uh, the landscape was very similar to North Arkansas. I felt very much at home. And uh, in Jefferson City at the time, in 1997, uh, I, I saw it as being a real pretty town. I'm like, oh, this is nice. I took my bike off of the car and rode around the town and, and really enjoyed it. And, and St. Louis, though, was a very vibrant uh, uh, musical scene, artistic scene. Uh, it's it's famous in the history of America for mm-hmm. being a really vibrant city, and it just got whew, kind of. A, I can't really editorialize too much because I'm not a historian or <laughs> analyzer, but you know, it took some dark turns in the 20th century, and mm-hmm. Chicago, you know, eclipsed it as being the the second or third you know largest city and. St. Louis is still kind of struggling, but mm-hmm. has an inherent uh, beauty and vibrancy to it that I love. Well, in the musical history about Missouri from Kansas City to St. Louis, the bluegrass and the southern parts of the state. Yeah, Scott Joplin and mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, uh, we, we, uh, she took a travel nurse job there in 2012, and uh I put a Craigslist ad in the uh, for a musician, mm-hmm. you know, steel guitarist looking for stuff, uh, play playing, and uh, I was <laughs> really shortly playing two or three nights a week with two or three different people mm-hmm. every week uh, in clubs that actually paid money. Right. Where in, in Portland, Oregon, it had quickly you know dissolved into no money for musicians. It was saturated with musicians. So the whole West Coast is. That's a whole different history about musicians and West Coast, but uh, St. Louis was really, really fun town. Mm-hmm. I was really happy. Well, I need to reintroduce you to our listeners. Uh, uh, folks, you're listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry right here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. Uh, today, the, my guests are uh, Alan and Nancy Ames. That's A M E S. Do you guys have a? Um, you may be on Facebook or something. Do you have a, a website where some of your music might show up, or uh, how would people find some of your work, Alan? Most I, um, I have a lot of music on SoundCloud.com/slash Alan Ames Music. Oh, okay. And that's A L A N A M E S. Great. SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Alan Ames Music. Great. And then you have a couple of YouTubes, don't you? I have a YouTube channel that has various <laughs> YouTubes on it. I don't visit it a lot these days. So. He hasn't put any new stuff on there in quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then CD Baby. CD Baby has my mm-hmm. stuff. 
I'm not sure when we met, but you all were through Jeff City, what, five years ago for, you had a, rented an apartment and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we first came in the fall of, uh, was that 2014 or 2015? I think it was 15. We rented a, a place in the west side of town and then we took a month or two off and traveled and came back and rented a place in downtown, uh, not far from downtown, from the mm-hmm. library, a couple yeah. of blocks from the library. And uh, we, want, we, we thought we really liked Jefferson City, but we thought, well, let's try two different locations and see where we feel like we fit in the town. And, and then once we, uh, when we lived in that uh, second apartment, we were looking at real estate and driving around, and we thought about co-housing. We looked for a co-housing group in the area and thought about because we still have farming kind of roots. We would like to live where we had enough room for gardening and stuff. Mm-hmm. We thought about living right outside of town, but no, nah, we, I think the old adage of when it comes to real estate, location, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be right in town where we can walk mm-hmm. uh, to places. And we, we were planning our, our retirement years mm-hmm. um, when we were in Portland about, and the, what are the things that you want? We oh. wanted to be able to ride our bicycles. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have health centers, you know, hospitals, mm-hmm. uh, public transportation, um, and a small community that you would be able to participate in mm-hmm. and have friends and so Jeff City was just ideal it has mm-hmm. the Katy Trail it has Amtrak station it has the Columbia Airport mm-hmm. accessibility to Kansas City and St. Louis mm-hmm. um, and it's a lovely community we're happy here well I'm totally impressed with what you all have done <laughs> to a little house on a little uh, street has a slight slope to the street. Well, it's it's a hill that you're on, but my goodness, uh, you you've got solar panels on this south side roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have almost every piece of ground is growing some kind of food. Uh, there's just a little bit in the front yard that looks like a, a little bit of a front yard, which is. Won't be long. <laughs> we have plants for it. Oh, okay, great. We have persimmon, two persimmon, persimmon trees out there, and some tomatoes, and we're oh. going to do elderberries and gooseberries, and wow. maybe another pear tree. We do like to live small. I think for the health of our planet, you know, mm-hmm. and for ourselves, the amount that we have responsible to take care of. But um, we intentionally picked up a house that had a ability for us to have solar. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is difficult in a hilly city yes. with so many big trees. Exactly. Uh-huh. And um, the orientation of the streets needs to be right for the way the sun moves, you know, over the winter sky. And so we, we, it took or it us, helps. Uh, it helps. It took us quite a while to find just the right lot and house that would meet that requirement. Well, you found it, didn't you? <laughs> I did. And, and the other thing we wanted is is a community sense of neighbors Mm -hmm. Uh, living in arkansas and out on 60 acres where our closest neighbor was a mile away Mm -hmm. we felt a little socially you know deprived Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, living in in boise we really liked our neighborhood and our neighbors so right after we moved here in jefferson city on this street we 
found that we had a lot in common with the people on the street mm-hmm. and, and know most of them by name now. And, yeah. and uh, it's definitely a pretty easy uh, town. Yeah, well, it was uh, at a gathering here just a few weeks ago where I re-met Don Asby. Mm-hmm. And people from your neighborhood were here, and some that I'd known, some I didn't know. But uh, yeah, it was a real community feeling and good music and people brought food and uh, mm-hmm. you have a basement that opens up for mm-hmm. loud music <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times we're upstairs with a, a softer music sound yeah but, uh, well we we uh, kind of looked at our house and I don't think we consciously planned for socializing but uh when we were getting ready for the party, we realized, oh, wow, this basement opens up and we can have a fire pit out here. And, and upstairs, people can listen to music and dance. And uh, then there's another attic space for people to socialize there. And, oh, there's a music room that you can go into and people could just quietly play. You know, it just seemed like a lot of different opportunities. And yeah. We didn't plan it. It was just kind of like, oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Alan's um, musical ability um, definitely opens doors for being able to make friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've made several large moves in our life. And I know I've talked to people who said, Oh, I could never do that. How would you get to know anybody? Mm-hmm. You know, they're fearful about moving to a new place. Right. Right. But his musical ability um, makes people comfortable and makes opportunity for. Mm-hmm. Um, good relations right and so he's done um, here in Jefferson City right off the bat I was volunteering at the Butterfly Hospice thrift shop Mm -hmm. and a woman came in who was on the historical society and I volunteered my husband (laughs) to oh if you need a musician my husband's very good you know oh she was happy so he played a couple of times for the home tour yeah played Uh a couple times for the home tour three times Maybe three times, yeah. yeah it's I think pretty, so. pretty good. And then for Porch Fest, you know, which is another wonderful community association event, meeting people. Well, you are part of a couple of groups that play. Uh, Just always interchanging people. Uh-huh. You know, it's, and that's the way with most towns. Musicians kind of play together and then they swap members here and there and start mm-hmm. new projects. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's the way the whole American music scene is on a large, in the large frame of, of uh, large groups of people. Uh, the famous musicians, they're always swapping out and playing with each other and mm-hmm. And in a small town like Jefferson City, we're always kind of moving around. And that's how we around. came to know you. Yeah. was through right. musical friendships. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, what a plus it's been for us. <laughs> oh, I, I think we've had the greater advantage. <laughs> yeah. We, oh, no. <laughs> we have two pluses. <laughs> well, you know, you asked about Jefferson City, why we chose Jefferson City. And, and one thing we realized that... Uh, after traveling all the way to even North Florida uh, and to Boise and, and through Missouri and different areas looking to see where we'd like to live, we finally decided that America is just full of great places to live and great people. Mm-hmm. And that it's kind of always up to us to find uh, our tribe, find our mm-hmm. friends and make friends. And, and uh, so Jefferson City was just perfect.
I think I would have been happy in some of the other towns too. We we do think we needed a smaller city, mm-hmm. and so Jefferson City is about big enough. Mm-hmm. So what do you grow in your garden? You know, it changes uh, year to year. I'm just still learning how to garden in this climate in the mid Midwest, and but this year. Tomato has been quite abundant in mm. my garden. Volunteer plants as well as varieties that I sent out. So tomatoes and um, Anaheim chili peppers are quite abundant. Garlic grew really well. Um, and kale, Brussels sprouts. Usually squashes, okra. Patty pan squashes. Butternut. Herbs, quite a lot of different herbs were mm-hmm. growing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Raspberries. Mm. Two kinds of pears, persimmons, grapes, blackberries, pawpaws, butternut squash. Can you think of anything else? Oh, of course, the spring garden had lettuce and spinach, and but right now, that's all gone. And you would think, uh, if we did the square footage of the ground that all that is growing on, it would really not be very much space but the way you're along the side of your house there's certain things growing and then you got the backyard that's uh well and then just one pear tree you know is will probably feed a whole family uh, for many months and i have two pear trees so that next year i'm probably going to be buried in pears and i have two persimmon trees we like pears Yes, I will pass them on. The Asian pears are particularly delicious. We are organic gardeners, too. Um, and we did take the Master Gardening course at the University Extension Office. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that work uh, when we you take a course like gardening? Do they, are you out gardening? No, these were evening classes. Oh, okay. And they have it divided up into, was it once a week we went to class no, or it was twice? Twice a week. Twice for a week. Six weeks. For six weeks. Uh-huh. So it's an introduction to gardening, and, and they have all these different experts come in and give a class. So it was not one person, it was always. A... Sadly to say, there wasn't enough about organic as I would have liked. Okay. And of course, it also included lawns and trees and ornamental flowers. And so you, you it was. Uh, a broad, mm-hmm. broad spectrum, broad spectrum kind of class, class yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and then you know they have a volunteerism project. So here in Jefferson City, you know the gardening that's around the library, for instance, mm-hmm. Master Gardener across the river, that, right? Yeah, which they're hoping to relocate. You're oh, I didn't aware know that. that. Well, I'm not sure where they are in that process. City Parks and Recreation are working with them. I think up at um, Ellis Porter Riverside Park. Oh, Riverside, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Missouri does a, a good job with the, the public help for farmers. Uh, a lot of times, you just have to, in uh, at least back in the seventies and eighties in Arkansas, you just had to go to the Soil Conservation Office. It was a federally funded program where farmers could get assistance for uh, ponds or understand how to fix their field problem, but Missouri's got a lot of help for just whoever needs it. A, fan, a, a little city gardener can can contact them, and they can give you advice and help. And 
Is that because we have two land-grant colleges right here? We've got <laughs> Missoula as a land-grant mm -hmm. and Lincoln University is a land-grant. Maybe it's just that the Midwest culture is agricultural focused. You know, there's a lot of uh, connectivity with family and the land, and that it seems to be a priority in this part of the... Well, being a land-grant, you have to have an extension service because it's based uh -huh. on teaching. Oh. And going out and actually holding these classes. I, oh. so, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, so it, it's really the mission of a land grant school oh, to nice. educate and help the farmers, uh, the gardeners. Mm -hmm. the it just seems growing. to make so much sense to plant food and mm -hmm. fruit bearing trees or nut bearing trees in your city as opposed to. Um, invasive ornamental species, yeah. you know, and that aren't edible right. to even nature, which, you know, to plant food that the birds could eat. Sure. Well, and then it's, there's a, a beautifying effect, I think. Everyone likes a green lawn, or at least we assume that everybody wants a lawn, uh, but you're just going to put fertilizer on it and let it grow, and then you're going to mow it, and then let it grow, and mow it, and mow it, and mow it. And, but with food and, and trees, they bloom. Mm -hmm. So there's beautiful trees and beautiful blooms all year round. We had bees all over our garden and, and our lot here. The, they love the herbs. They love the mint. They love the raspberries. They, they love all the blooms. And, uh, and I like watching the bees work and I don't ever get stung. They're out there getting the nectar and the yeah. pollen, you know. Yeah, I grew up in a suburb of Dallas, and it was all about the big lawn, and you had to mow it twice a week. And all that gasoline, oh, yeah. fossil fuels in the air, yeah. and then you're watering it to make it grow more to cook. So then we moved to Portland, Oregon, and people don't water their lawn there. In the summer, they just let it turn brown, mm -hmm. and it's brown in the summer. And then the rest of the year, it's raining so much. Yeah, it's green. <laughs> uh, but I am anti-lawn mowing as mm -hmm. a principle. I think it's ecologically not a healthy thing. <laughs> well, you know, California, I believe, has now banned uh, gasoline lawnmowers and oh. uh, leaf blowers. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to be cutting down on our emissions, then... My little battery-powered lawnmower is right on time. I, right, right. I've been using a little Newton for you know, as long as we've had the, nice, our house, nice. 20 years plus. And you just, you just got a battery, and you just charge the battery. and then we Yeah, the, the lawnmower is a particularly polluting type of engine. They, they haven't upgraded them to be uh, less pollution type of gas motors. They're just cheap. They run good. They last a long time. But they put out a lot of pollution, and, and we've come to uh, really enjoy the season where there's not lawnmowers around because of noise pollution. Mm. I, I think uh, most of America, when we get more uh, electric vehicles or electric lawnmowers or people riding bicycles, the, the peacefulness of our cities should return. Mm -hmm. uh, they have turned up the volume on cities, so it's really, uh, really difficult to find peace and quiet, you know. Well, as we uh, are getting into solving the world's problems here, I need to reintroduce you. <laughs> because we have some good advice to give these folks. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry. Glocal, that's a combination of local and global because it's all connected, folks. Uh, there ain't anything that's uh, doing it all by itself. 
And the social artistry, that's where people are building a more humane world from the inside out. And my guests today, Alan and Nancy Ames, uh, living now in Jefferson City. You have a, a son in uh, Mexico, is it? Mexico. And did some helping down there with some mm-hmm. building? Uh... We built a house on his property at the beach in Oaxaca. Yeah. It's part and of his business. Yeah, we like to stay a month or two <laughs> at a time. We haven't done it in, since COVID, yeah. but uh, yeah. it's... Uh, a lovely place and feels healthy for us to get some good outdoor. And to go and visit in another country's rural, agricultural rural areas is so vastly different from what we see here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you see guys just uh, driving their cows down the middle of the road mm-hmm. um, or have one loaded into the back of the pickup truck, Brahmin mm-hmm. bulls, you know, and a boy yeah. sitting there with the Brahmin in the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes time to mow the highways, since we were just talking about mowing, uh, it's just a crew of about 20 guys with machetes. Uh-huh. And they actually and, cut the grass with machetes. Cutting. They use a little stick to hold the, the, the stuff just right and then whack it. And yeah. if... Uh, what they can't do with the machete, I'm telling you, <laughs> these guys are good. They get an amazing amount of work done, and he also lives in an area that grows a lot of uh, papayas and mangoes. Mm. Coconuts. Coconuts, and there's just men, you know, out harvesting it, mm-hmm. goats running underneath to eat, or chickens, and uh, food based on a, a, a human scale, mm-hmm. not a machine scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother, who has been in farming for probably 30 years he's i don't think he's seen it twice but definitely in the recent past they moved all the weather uh, lines on the map to show that the warm areas are moving north north. Uh, and that's that's a science agricultural school based thing Mm -hmm. that farmers need to know Mm -hmm. uh yeah and i hear that uh in South and Central America, or, uh, Central America, they're already having problems with climate-related uh, agricultural problems, and that's one reason. Like Guatemalans have been uh, migrating north; is that their crops have been failing, and mm. they're having trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's here. It's not coming. It's here. Right. And right. It's just going to be a continual progression. Progression until, if and when. Everybody wises up and uh, decides to work together and cooperate and, and say, okay, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, gardening is um, a way to provide for yourself and for your friends, too. You know, and food insecurity is here, as mm-hmm. you say. Mm-hmm. And so why should we fill up our yards with grass when mm-hmm. instead you could grow squash, mm-hmm. yeah. watermelon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... Uh, I'm just thinking, uh, the I, what was the kind of farmer, a tenant farmer, mm-hmm. where you have somebody else working your... What mm-hmm. if we had uh, tenant gardeners, and you would say, okay, well, here's my, here's my yard, uh, so grow this and this and this and this, mm-hmm. or however you want to do it. You get three-fourths of the product, and we mm-hmm. get one-fourth, and... And you have people that start working the land right there in your front yard mm-hmm. and uh, turning it into little paradise. Well, it's kind of like uh, the 
movement across the country for community gardens mm-hmm. uh, is kind of like that, is that people in cities see that there's tons of unused space in mm-hmm. cities that the soil may be very uh, capable of, of growing food. Oh, yeah. uh, behind my house here, there's four or five or six uh, back lots that are huge. Yeah. It's like a park behind yeah. my house. It could yeah. be... You know, it could be in an orchard, you know, of, of apple and pear and, and grapes, all kinds and of grapes. Oh, my great goodness. slope for grapes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would be really good. So, it doesn't uh, really take much time either. I know mm-hmm. working people or, you know, people with family, but I don't. it doesn't really require much of my time mm-hmm. working in the garden. But, you know, um, the way diet has changed, um, where a lot of people don't, really know how to cook with vegetables. Mm-hmm. You now they're used to buying frozen or prepared foods and mm-hmm. eating out quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just need a shift in do-it-yourself. But we were back to the lander, same as Don talked about, you know, and of learning to do things to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Bake your own bread rather than buying bread. Right. Raise your own chickens rather than buying eggs mm-hmm. and chickens. Well, and then for talk about the, the health of the planet starts with the health of each person. Right. And there's nothing more important than your own health. Mm-hmm. You know, like saving for retirement, well, save your health. Don't yeah. worry about the money near as much as you do your health. So uh, um, gardening is just a way to help your environment, help your bodies. You know, it helps the birds, helps the bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a win-win situation all the way around. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these gardeners are musical people. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, I think some of it is creative uh, people, uh, creative types, which actually I think probably the biggest bulk of human population are inherently creative mm-hmm. when you're born. You look at children. They, they love to draw. Mm-hmm. They, they love to build with stuff. You know, they, they're happier with cardboard boxes when they're little, mm-hmm. playing and playing and playing and uh, I think many years I thought of myself as, well, I'm creative musically. But no, when I kind of, as I've gotten older and got to see where, where my interests lie and who I am is, no, I'm creative. I, I like, I'm just as happy with doing woodworking and metalwork as, mm-hmm. well, maybe not just as happy as playing <laughs> music. <laughs> but uh, I, I just love to create. And I, I see Nancy, you know, she likes to sew and make, you know, all kinds of fabric arts things. And cooking is a creative thing in itself. So mm-hmm. gardening and, and uh, it's all interrelated to creativity. Well, Nancy, you play the ukulele as well. Mm-hmm. And sing, Working. part of our little slow jam group, <laughs> etc. Yes, yes. Well, speaking of music, uh, do you have a song or two, Alan, that you would like to highlight today for our listeners, uh, just in terms of uh, the kind of style that you've written yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I've I've taken a, a different trajectory for music because out of high school I had played a little in, in, as a teenager. But then I took music two years in college as a music major and mm. then decided that I wanted to do something different. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm never going to quit being a musician. But it introduced me and, and educated me to uh, music and more of its possibilities. So I studied composition and, and uh, understood that the 
sonata format and musical techniques are kind of stilted and, and uh, sometimes kind of make creative people feel a little mechanical in their mm. creations. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to be learned by that. So Debussy and a lot of the Impressionists at the end of the 19th century were throwing that away. They were kind of getting rid of the the, the rigid rules for composing music. And, and so I studied that kind of movement. And, and then in, in my own growth, I gave up cello and flute and piano and started playing steel guitars. Mm. And I realized that uh, the classical lessons that I learned can be taken to the steel guitar. And so when I'm composing an instrumental, uh, I will use some of those same techniques. <laughs> and a lot of my music can be kind of even classified as a sonata. I even thought about naming a couple of them, sonata and E minor, because they were studies of, of a, a melody that I figured out how to develop it into different kinds of melodies that flowed along. Um, Yes, Serenade uh, is a three-movement piece for oboe and dobro, and that's kind of a classical piece. You can see that, oh, a folk instrument like a dobro can fit really good with an oboe. They sound beautiful together. another one that uh, missed in the mountains uh it's kind of a, an old song that i wrote music and then i've uh, arranged it for even though this recording i have here is not for cello and oboe and and such but i took a lot of my music and i arranged it for like a string quartet and performed it in different parks around portland oh. and so I wrote a little movie music, and I'm not as as uh, 
artist with words. I'll, I'll leave that to Bob Dylan and, <laughs> and people who are more wordsmiths than I am. I, I usually write instrumental music. And well, I've heard you sing some of your words. I've sang songs. Sung a few. <laughs> I don't sing too many. <laughs> no, we do a lot of covers, don't we? Yeah, we do. We yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, we have a few minutes left. Uh, how are we going to continue to save the world or... Uh, What's on your all's minds about uh, the future? You feel optimistic? Well, I'm a hopeless optimist. I, I always feel optimistic. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of odd to be hopeless optimistic, <laughs> but I like it. I think we know exactly what you I, mean. I mean, you can count on me that I'll be optimistic even probably on my deathbed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a veil and... Who knows what's on the other side that of that veil? veil. Oh, speaking of the veil, we were talking earlier about uh, Day of the Dead. Absolutely. Uh, November 1st is the uh, Day of Innocence, and November 2nd, Day of the Dead. or One of them is All Saints Day. I, I forget which is which. Uh, there's a lot of mystery still to what goes on. I think that you were talking about saving the world or making the world a better place. It's definitely of reconnecting with nature doing less with more, taking your things, recycling, being happy and content with what you have, using it in new ways, um, keeping friendships as a priority, you know, in human relations, in person human relations, yeah, mm-hmm. um, make the world a better place. Sounds good to me. Well, and, and uh, I, we need to empower young people to... Uh, have as much power as they mm-hmm. as they can can get because uh, I've even had a couple of them say you know complaining to me like well your generation has just you know screwed us over you know look at this mess you've left and and I can't say that I feel personally guilty but you know there's we're all part of of the same whole system and so as as I try to be small uh, um, social activist kind of person. I try to take part in certain movements or things, but mostly I try to just live by uh, example and uh, promote friendship and and right living and and hope that that helps. Uh, Well, you all show up for the meetings of... uh, in the last two weeks, where have you all been? Just to... Let's see. Um, went to a talk at the library that was uh, regarding a book about aging, elder, mm-hmm. and uh, Citizens Climate Lobby involved in those. We went to a meeting with that. Um, Racial equity groups in town we like to take part in. I, mm-hmm. I participate in a gun advocacy, you know, for... Uh, Sensible Gun Laws group, mm-hmm. Moms, Moms Demand Action Moms for Demand Gun Action. Sense uh-huh. in America. Mm-hmm. I'm also a Planned Parenthood supporter mm-hmm. and involved in advocacy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can even keep up with all the ones. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot, <laughs> truly. Yeah. Well, I have the time, mm-hmm. you know, now that I'm retired, and um, I want to leave the world a better place for mm-hmm. equitable and justice, you know, for... Mm-hmm. Um, people of all races and genders mm-hmm. and yeah. sexual orientation and ages and ages, yeah. and ages right mm-hmm. 
I know with this talk the other night about the aging and elder, there was a lot of focus about health care for aging, you know, and I had to remind people that ill health is across the spectrum. It's not only older people, it's always present in the possibility of dying and living with disability. And mm-hmm. not to imagine that being older, you're going to be sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just have a more open mind about what's awaiting you. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with dying as well. I've been present at many bedsides of people dying, and it's not necessarily a, a uncomfortable, horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Uh, but in talking about uh, uh, what do we do for the future and in enabling young people is, is that Sometimes I feel pessimistic that change is just seems to be so hard in America. And then the young people do things that show that change is very possible. Mm-hmm. Most of my life growing up, uh, the S word was just not to be said in political circles. Mm-hmm. The, the socialist word, socialism, was oh. just a dirty word. I started calling it the S word because a politician just died whenever he used that word. And then, lo and behold, Bernie Sanders, the young people just just lifted him up and mm-hmm. and said, "Socialism is not a dirty word, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's not, you know, our fire stations, our schools, you know, mm-hmm. we need social endeavors, you know, right. and uh, um, it's and not, then, it's not like it's one or the other, right, right, no, hundred percent. There's well, they equate socialism with communism. What a sad. Uh, uh, Thing that is, yes, bad, bad equation. But the young people have also, you know, been uh, coming up with new forms of dance, new forms of art forms, and the tiny house movement. Uh, there's a lot of good movement on the horizon. So if if I kind of for one moment think that we can't change, uh, I just have to turn around and look around me, and, yeah. and uh, change is very possible and sometimes going on right now. So. Yes. Uh, I've heard good things about the millennials. Yeah, I you know I've, I look at my children and my children's friends and and uh, the children that I've of course they're not children now they're all adults. I, I really like these younger generations. Uh, I just feel real positive about them. Uh, a lot of a lot of good uh, a lot of good people with good skills, mm-hmm. good attitudes. We live in the best of times. We have we have so many advantages now that our parents didn't have. You know, my parents grew up during the Great Depression. There was the World War Two. Mm-hmm. Horrible times, you know. It's still a lot to learn from them. I mean, I remember my grandmother talking and my mother talking about how they would have they would have suffered a lot more in the Depression, but and they lived on, in in Dallas. And they had a milk cow in town. And that milk cow, they traded that milk for everything through their neighborhood. I'm sure their neighbors loved it because milk is full of good calories and, and, and good nutrition for for families. So, yeah, you can have a milk cow in the town. <laughs> when things get rough, we will have them again. We'll have, we'll have those sheep on the side of the road. Well, I used to have milk goats. and Yeah. They're good. Well, Nancy, you're reading a, a book. Is, are you reading The Overstory? No, I, I have read it already. Oh, Alan's, you read it already. Alan's reading it. Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you read that book? 
No, I've been hearing about it though. And I think it's good. It's, uh, it's a wonderful story, um, and it um, has to do with preservation of trees and all the human connections with trees. And it kind of builds on a, a, a nonfiction book that came out in the last few years, uh, uh, a scientific book about trees and how they communicate mm-hmm. with each other um, fungus. in the ground, fungus. funguses, uh, even the air. Uh, there's just all kinds of uh, research being done on trees. And uh, trees are obviously in- intelligent. It's just n- not going to be the way... Uh, the average homo sapien talks about intelligence because we refer to consciousness as Mm -hmm. intelligence. But uh, trees, when you look at uh, an apple tree that knows how to grow an apple, they obviously, and they know how to cast out a a bug that's in its bark. And they they seem to have some intelligence there. I don't know what to call it. And we need to tune into it a little bit more. So that nonfiction book, do you remember the title of that? No, I couldn't look it up anymore. Well, anyway. So the overstory is a fictional account of of people whose lives all kind of turned around to trees and and uh, the beauty and, and, and I uh, do you know man, mankind has been uh, using trees as a natural resource for our own betterment and um, not necessarily working to help the trees and they, we really need to um, now you know we need to slow the cutting down of trees. Our, our very atmosphere depends on their presence. We are interrelated species, you know. And interdependent, interrelated? Interdependent, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We need to figure out this fire business, too, and, and right. the bug business, and how all we, kinds of things are we, attacking trees. We need to focus on preserving them. They're essential for life on planet Earth. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think we did it. I think we solved the world's problems right here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing that another cup of coffee or cup of tea wouldn't cure. So well, thank you. There's a lot of work to be done for future generations, yeah. So Nancy Ames, Alan Ames, uh, Jefferson City, thank you so much uh, for what you do and who you are and uh, for being good friends. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming by. And uh, friends, remember, wherever you are, That is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon.